You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Before we kick off today, I would just like to invite you to check out another podcast for anyone wanting to grow their agency. It's called Freelance to Founder, and it features coaching calls with freelancers and founders who have hit roadblocks and need help to get to the next level. They'd cover all types of stuff, including charging what you're worth, becoming a CEO, bottlenecking in your business, uh, making the best hires, and a whole bunch more. I really like the format of their show. If you would like to check it out, there are new episodes every Thursday, and you can visit freelance2founder, that's tofounder.com, or just search freelance to founder in your favorite podcast player. All right, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 103, I think, with uh, Brian Cassell. Brian, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. Man, you're a bit of a legend in, uh, I guess, internet space as far as uh, I'm concerned. Like, I've seen your name thrown around in groups and, like, um, paid forums and just everyone I know. You, You talk about productized services. You are the name that comes up. So first up, congrats on getting to that position, I guess. It's awesome. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I, I, you know, I'm certainly not the only one out there talking about this stuff. There are plenty of other, and there were people doing productized services before I started talking about them, but it was one of those things that I, my business just sort of like stumbled into that direction uh, maybe five or six years ago. And, and I've done a few of them now and, and got into different products around that. So, uh, so yeah. it's just been, you know, cause I, I've, I come from the, from the freelancing and consulting and then agency world. And then when I sort of started to think of it like, Oh, this can become more of a product that makes mm. it a lot easier to actually grow. So that, that yeah. I've been excited. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where actually exactly where I'd like to start. So, cause I, I figured you started as an agency. Most people do before they go into productized services. So what, like, how did that process work for you? Like what, what kind of stuff were you doing in an agency? And then what did you work out could be a product? You know, yeah. Yeah. So I, my, my background is as a web designer, uh, front end designer, front end developer. Um, and for a while, while I, back in the, so 12 or 13 years ago now, I worked for a web agency in New York. And then I, then I went freelance as a web designer. Um, and I just did that like a typical WordPress based web designer, freelance web designer for a few years there. And, and I tried a, a bunch of different little product ideas. I started selling like WordPress themes a little bit, you know, maybe 5% of my income, but most of it came from client work. And then, um, and then the first thing that was sort of significant was a business called Restaurant Engine. So I took my, my knowledge as a web designer and I built a, uh, a web design service aimed at restaurants and hotels. Um, and the, the original idea for that was to make it a SaaS, was to build a SaaS on top of WordPress multi-site and have restaurants come and automa- and sign themselves up and set up your own website, just like a Squarespace. But, and this was back in um, 2011, 2012 was when I oh, launched that. Very ahead of the curve. Nice. Yeah. I mean, there, there were like the, the Wix and Squarespace and stuff, but they weren't quite as big as they are now. Um, 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I just, just, um, it's interesting because that's like a big thing now, right? A lot of agencies bolt on, like a, they're calling a WAS, a website as a service. Yeah. Um, and it's basically well, the same, built on. Well, what, I, what I learned really quickly with that was, um, oh, these restaurant owners, they, they don't want to set it up themselves. They just want <laughs> it done for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, I was, and I was just doing anything just to get customers to subscribe to my little SaaS product idea. Um, so I was like, Hey, I'll set up your service. Your, your, I'll set up your website for free. I'll, I'll import your menu for free just to get you subscribed, you know, for like $49 a month or something, which was, yeah. which was crazy. Cause I was doing like $20,000 projects over there with my freelance work. But I was like, I just want to build a SaaS. So I, so I was doing that. But then I, uh, then I started charging for that initial setup service. And then eventually I made it required for all customers. And that's where it became a whole process. And and a productized service. It was, you know, we'll set up your website and it's, it's uh, enabled and, and made very efficient with our software. But I have people who follow a setup process. And then I had a salesperson who, who got them on board and everything and, nice. and, um, and built that business up over a couple of years, bootstrapped it and, and sold that business in 2015. And, and around that time, 2014, 2015 is when I was like, Oh, productized services. That's, that's the yeah. easiest way to to run that gap, and then 2015 is when I started Audience Ops. Yeah, nice. That's that's cool. Um, and we'll get onto Audience Ops in a second. I just uh, I noticed that like because I spoke to a WAS a guy that teaches WAS the other day, Matthew Rodella. He's got a whole like community around um, this now, and and he invited me on to talk about uh, our product content snare because he finds that you know him and a lot of students uh they end up people want the help like you said you know they don't a lot of them don't want to do it themselves so they end up putting this like white glove service or whatever you want to call it uh, on the front and to build the website for them and and i think some people do it for free and then people go actually this is something people will actually pay for and then they get them onto the monthly monthly thing totally and i i love the combination of software plus service you know, because, and I love, I, I, I design to make software now. Like I, I love SA, like SAS and software des- and designing products. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is a software product alone only solves half the problem in yeah. general, right? It's, it's a tool, but the customer ultimately has to actually use it to get the value out of it and they have to do the work. And, and, um, and that can be great for so many customers, but then it, I, I think when you when you pair a service on top of that, where where not only you're providing the tool and the abilities, but the but the strategy and the and the handling the legwork. So, um, yeah, I love that combo. Yeah, and I think it's necessary for so many businesses. I've found myself in a strange position the last few days, where because we have a productized service company handling our like maintenance and like small updates to our website, um, GoWP, um, who I'll also link up in this episode, and. Um, I've, there's been a couple of things that I want to do to our website and I don't have that like strategy layer anymore um, or, or like don't have like a dedicated developer like I used to because I was like, oh, I don't need this guy anymore, right? And now I'm like, crap, like <laughs> I need someone to talk to and I'm already like, yeah, yeah so I can, like, there's so much value in, in that service layer and, and, you know, and I'm a tech guy. Imagine someone who's a restaurant is a perfect example. It's just like right. they don't know anything about the web side of, of, of their business. So having someone they can talk to is just great. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's really cool that you went on to sell um, Restaurant Engine. And like, it, it's a lot of people I know are doing something similar where they found a, a niche like that or a niche, I guess, as you guys would say. I uh, never know. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it just seems to be the easiest way, right? If, if you were doing the same same thing for all your clients or at least within a certain set of bounds, it's so much easier than doing bespoke stuff for everyone. Yeah. The, the thing that I, it took me years to, to clue into this, but the, um, uh, the idea of, of knowing who an ideal customer is, uh, because before that for five or six years there, I was a freelance web designer. I was doing websites for, universities for restaurants for e-commerce for Mm -hmm. somebody's blog like anybody who comes who who happens to find out that i'm a web designer they email me and and we do a project and yeah and um but the problem the thing that that frustrated me about that and that made me so interested in trying to build a product business was that i can't just go out tomorrow and get double the number of clients that I had last month. I have to just hope that I get enough referrals for that to happen. And yeah. I, I can't exactly make that happen. Um, but when, but when, when you can identify, Oh, I'm selling this product to this customer, then you can actually start to, to like actually do marketing. You can't really go do marketing if you're just a generalist web designer, you know? Yeah. Um, so you could do things like content or ads or go to conferences or do, do whatever you need to, to get in front of the right people. Yeah. And I can verify that that is a very difficult place to be. Cause that's kind of where content is going now. It's like, we've got all these kinds of people sign different industries signing up from like web designers, marketing agencies, but now it's like mortgage brokers and, and like we've got an airline and, and all these like industries. And I'm like, I went to a mastermind group of mine with this and it was like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, why don't you just pick one and target that? I was like, Oh, duh. <laughs> good yeah. idea. Um, it's hard to, it's, it's hard. And, and I struggle with it still too. Yeah. Like, um, you know, like with audience ops, like the, the majority of our clients are B2B SaaS companies, but mm. 10, 20% of them are not, they do mm. other things. Um, and, uh, and it's always hard to say like, well, if I really double down on the positioning for this one niche industry, like, am I leaving other people out of mm. that? And, and, um, and, and I've, I've been sort of uh, working through that process now with, with process kit, my, my SaaS mm. product. Um, uh, and I recently started to position it for client services, like for, for agencies right. and for mm-hmm. productized services, which sort of makes sense for my audience and everything. Of course. Yeah. Um, but but we have customers who are not that, and we have and and I and now now that I like changed some some of the copy on the website to say like it's for client services, like I started getting some questions from people like, um, I'm a manufacturing company, like is is this not going to work for me? Or, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's a little bit tricky. Yeah, but. and we face the same thing because because what we're our, our copy used to be focused on agencies and now actually we don't get the questions anymore because we've generalized it quite a bit on our main homepage. And what the plan is, is to have a landing page for each industry. And we're just going to go one at a time. Yeah. Right. That's so a good we've, way to do we've it. written 
uh, mortgage, uh, we've written landing pages for mortgage and for, I think, higher education and agencies and um, online summits because they're like the first four we decided to go after. And then so people will be able to click through to those. But what it enables you to do then is to run ads directly to, to those right. industry-specific landing pages. Um, I, you know, I'll have to report back how this goes, but it's just made it so much easier to go, okay, I want to run ads. I will target mortgage brokers, you know, rather than being yeah. like, oh, how do I target everybody? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about audience ops. So how, like, how did the process happen? You were um, running Restaurant Engine and like, were you doing a lot of content for people? How did that transition happen? Yeah. Um, so- start with what audience ops is or what it started as. Well, uh, yeah, it's very similar to how it started still today. Okay. Um, it, audience ops is, uh, purely a productized service. It's, we, we do use some software tools, but it's mostly people driven and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a content, it's a blog content as a service. Um, yeah. that that's been the bread and butter since the beginning. So, so we basically power the blogs for, for many companies and, and I have a team of really fantastic writers and copy editors and content managers who, who run that pipeline of, of, of high quality blog articles that are, that we publish for our clients. But we've in the last, uh, two years ago, we added an additional service where we do done with you podcasting as well. Yeah. Um, and also along those lines are case studies. So these might sound like three different services, but they actually follow a very similar production schedule and a production process. Uh, some, I have no some doubt. In, my yeah, my like, mind's like, going, right? Because I run a B2B SaaS company, which is your audience, and I have a podcast, a blog, and I want case studies done. <laughs> so exactly, maybe yeah. you'll have a new client soon. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and like the ideas for the for the two newer services came from our clients asking yeah. these things and, and it started to make sense. And, and it's like, well, we already have a weekly production cycle of content. We can just, so we started hiring audio editors and, and actually on-air podcasters to work with our clients and stuff like that. Nice. Um, uh, the way that it came about originally, though, I, I launched it back in 2015, um, and it was you know just the blog content then. And um, uh, with Restaurant Engine, the primary way that I marketed and grew that was through uh, posting blog content on a weekly basis. So it took me a while, but I figured out how to how to hire you know a good writer and uh, and have a team do social media promotion and email marketing and and have the team just come up with new topics every week and, and publish it to my blog. And then I started, you know, talking to my other founder friends, you know, people who run SaaS companies and stuff. And especially at that time, people were saying like, well, how, how do you go about hiring a writer and what kind of process do you give them? And that, that's like a big black box to me. And, and I tried hiring a freelancer. It didn't really work out. And so that, that made it obvious that as, as a next business, um, you know, I, that's a problem that I knew how to solve. I knew how to hire people and build a process around it. And and by that point, I was pretty much I was very into the idea of of a productized service because I had built Restaurant Engine, um, so I was able to move much faster into building processes and and get that get that going. Yeah, awesome. And that's been running since 2015. Yeah. Are you pretty much out of that now? Like, what's your involvement in that business? Yeah, I'm very much out of it. There are small little inputs here and there. Like, um, I mean, I essentially spend maybe an hour or maybe two a week on that business. Um, it's awesome. 
it's it's just very quick bursts. So I have like a general manager who who oversees the whole team and most of the internal questions from the other managers and the team, they go to her and she handles a lot of the hiring. Um, uh, I, I still do some sales calls now, but I also have a salesperson who takes some of that as well. Um, nice. So for the last really like two or two to three years, I've been out of the day to day in that business. Wow. Uh, and, and so I, so I use that free time to work on my next product, you know? Um, yeah. And so in 2018, I basically spent like the whole year of 2018 learning how to code in Ruby on Rails. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I, I was a free, I was a front end designer. I, right. I, I had a so, like solid chops with like HTML, CSS, a little bit of JavaScript and stuff and design. Um, but I could never build an actual functioning app. And that yeah. always frustrated me. How do you like um, Ruby? I have to ask. Rails. I I love it. I, I'm I'm completely converted with with Ruby on Rails. It's wow. To, for for me, it's and I I knew a little bit of a PHP and I tried Laravel and stuff and mm-hmm. I, I had a harder time just building ideas with that. Yeah. But when I when I started learning Rails, I was it wasn't overnight. I mean, it took me a while to really get good. But um, uh, I, I just it seemed easier to to build functioning ideas. Oh, totally. Yeah. So um, I just asked because we're in a funny spot with Rails right now because uh, ContentSnare is built on Rails as well with an Angular 2 front end. And um, we were doing client work at the same time as building that. And we had one, re- we had two really big client projects. One was in Rails and one was in a, a .NET, right? It was an enterprise mm-hmm. client. And I'm about to upset a lot of open source junkies if anyone's listening to this, but... Our .NET development cycle was about a half or less of Rails for like what we would consider, what we thought would take the same amount of time would take half or less in .NET, um, you know, and it, we were like- It's all about like what you're comfortable with. Well, yeah. no, this is just our team as well. And we cycled through developers and like we thought maybe we just didn't have as good devs on the Rails side. And it was just like, we don't understand like things once, once the product is mature- we found things were so much faster in, in .NET. And I reckon if we started a new SaaS product, we'd, we'd do it in .NET. Which yeah. Is yeah it's, it's all about what, <laughs> well, I, honestly, I, I know I have friends who do the same thing. Like I, I yeah. had a friend who he's running like a SaaS still today, like, like on like cold fusion. He's like, it's just wow. what I know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, um, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with rails. Like obviously yeah. a ton of products are built on rails, like loads. And, and, well, and I, yeah. My, my philosophy on it has been I try to keep it as simple and lean as possible. Um, so, and, and I've had experiences with like some big heavy front end frameworks like, like Vue.js and, mm. and, and a little bit of like React and stuff. And that is not just for learning, but like for when I was like outsourcing development, like it was so, it, that added so many hours of just like bug fixing and maintenance and things like that. And so, since I started learning in 2018, I, I wanted to learn Rails for for the back end, you know, infrastructure for the SaaS um, front end. So, so I ended up building Process Kit, my my current uh, product, and I work. And now I have a development team working with me too. But um, front end is just vanilla JavaScript. You know? Oh wow! And and um, and like C- it's just vanilla CSS too. I, I started using Tailwind on some other projects, which I really love, but the um, 
it's just super simple. It's just like nice, just just what I need to to do some pretty good like interaction, but it, it's yeah. not like a single page app or anything like right. that. Right. So I got to ask, as like a guy, you know, you've you've got a whole team, you've done a lot of outsourcing in the past. What made you go? I'm going to build this one myself. Yeah, I um. Well, number one is I had the time. Like right. like I said, like with audience ops, my time is it continues to be funded. Full, yeah. full time. So I can, I can reinvest my time. Like it's a, like mm-hmm. it's a currency really. Um, but it, it was after I, I kind of kicked myself for not learning earlier in my career, wow, to be okay. honest. Um, because earlier I was always solid with front end. And, but if I ever wanted to build something functional, I would have to outsource it. And I've tried multiple times with like other software ideas that didn't work. Yeah. I spent a lot of money on outsourcing the back end. And, you know, they would build it the way that I designed it, but it's, if, if I had a better understanding of how software is architected, I, I would have designed like the database models differently. I just didn't even understand how that stuff worked. Right. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's pretty critical in building a SaaS product. I think is, is having that understanding. Like we're pretty lucky in that we were developers, both me and my business partner were developers and he is now the lead front end and he is just a machine. Um, yeah. But he's also got a good enough understanding of the back ends that he can translate the crap that I'm saying into actual <laughs> developer stuff. Because yeah. while I know dev, like I haven't built anything for, for probably five years now. So I'm so behind. Well, what happened was actually back in 2017, it was sort of my first attempt at building kind of like a precursor to what eventually became process kit. It, it right. was a different product that was called ops calendar and, um, and it's now retired. It's now redirecting to process kit, but it's, um, but I, I designed it. It was like a content calendar with some process stuff built into it. And, um, I, that was built in PHP Laravel and Vue.js and I outsourced the, the building of that. I just did the front end mm-hmm. and we worked on that for close to two years, got a handful of customers on it. And then it was, I think it was like February 20, maybe January, February, 2018. I went away on a trip and I was like, this is a good time for, for me to task my team with like upgrading from Vue.js one to Vue.js two. Like we've been putting that off now. Yep. Now's a good time to do it. They, they did it. They come back and they tell me, yeah, that broke everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like every single feature that I had already paid that right. tens of thousands of dollars to, to build yeah. time to build. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was faced with the, the, the choice of like, okay, we can go back and rebuild all of the, all of that functionality on, on the new, on the latest libraries, um, or I could just pause and we could reassess the product a little bit and maybe instead of reinvesting all that money, I'm just going to reinvest my time and start to learn how to build yeah, okay. an app yeah. myself, you know? You know, and I think that's fair enough. I, I don't know. I am, a lot of people are kind of against founders coding, but I am totally up for that. Like even support, you know, like I'm still handling support. I am looking for someone now, but I love the direct line of feedback you get from handling support. Yeah. Um, you know, and now all the questions are getting the same. So I think, and even the feature requests are the same. So I think I'm ready to put someone in place. Yeah. Um, you know, with processes and whatever. Um, I, I think it's, bit- it is different for like, um, 
I, I, I agree that in many cases, for many founders, it's, it's maybe not the best idea for the founder to do everything like design, coding, marketing, and, and all. Oh, of yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I had a few, like I had all this extra time that I could invest. Like, it's not like I was trying to do this on nights and weekends, mm. you know? Um, so that, that helped. Of course. And the other thing is that I, I already had the front, the front end side of it. Like I wasn't starting from literally ground zero on yeah. learning how to code. Like you know. even then, like I, I don't know. I still still think it's a reasonable progression. Like you know, the fact that you got a previous productized service business to the fact the place where you don't have to work and have a full time salary, like that is a dream for many agencies listening to this because you know then they can go and work on passion projects or something, right? Yeah. So big question: Do you use Process Kit and Audience Ops? Yeah, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> um, uh, so, so we we have started, uh, you know, migrating. I'd say about half of audience ops into okay. into Process Kit. Um, some some parts of it are are still on our old systems, but um, but we have like our whole sales pipeline. It, it's Process Kit essentially serves as our CRM. We don't market it as a CRM, but it does work pretty well mm. for as that. Nice. So we have like a, a sales process and it goes through our, the Kanban board inside process kit and everything. Um, and all, all of our new client onboarding stuff goes, okay. goes through. Uh, and that's a, that's like a month long process that, that clients go through um, with our team and multiple people involved. And, and, um, and then, and then we've also started to migrate the podcasting uh, yeah, production nice. stuff. So and, yeah, I'd like to talk yeah. a bit more about process kit. Um, I guess, First, do you think this is something that um, bespoke agencies would use as well, or is this more for productized? Oh yeah, we have uh, quite a few agencies using it. Yeah, um, nice. The um, uh, the most common use case, so so companies use it to manage a lot of their processes and repeatable projects. But the mm-hmm. most usually like the first process that they come into Process Kit and get a handle on is that new client onboarding process right so especially if you're a marketing agency usually it's like you need to get them set up so that you could start delivering the monthly deliverables um or if you're a website agency you know um similar websites you know follow a very similar production yeah. process you know and, um, and i've used big project management systems when, when we were running our agency um for the website side of things but really it was very process driven at the same time yeah. you know like there might be within a design stage there might be some different like obviously the, the output's not the same for every client but the steps were pretty much the same See, that's the thing that that's, that's really what led to process kit existing is that you look at most of the the big name project management tools out there, you know, we all, we all know them, right. Yeah. And they're, they're fine for organizing a project and maybe creating a to-do list and delegating some tasks. But when every project is following a very similar script, you know, you can you can hack it to like uh, maybe like duplicate some stuff and then copy and and then and then change things, but yeah, you know it's not actually process driven. If if your business is it is and should be following a better process, those those tools just break down very quickly. Or you spend all this extra time just managing your project management tools and re resetting dates on mm-hmm. a thousand different tasks. And <laughs> so like the the idea with with process kit is that. You know, even if you start to 
even if these companies start to actually document their processes, a lot of times they document them over in Google Docs or over in a mm-hmm. spreadsheet or something like that. Definitely. But the but the tasks still happen over in whatever project management tool you're using. Mm-hmm. With with Process Kit, you build out your processes and you and you turn them into tasks. And 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 they and it all happens together in the same place. But the the benefit of that is that you can then automate your projects and have your pro- your processes actually adapt to each individual project. So like, oh, this client was a little bit late on getting back to us. Well, that can automatically calculate and push back the the other tasks. Or, oh, this client bought our Facebook ads package and not our Google ads package. So let's automatically show those tasks and hide the Yeah, I see you have the decision trees, which is awesome, yeah. right? Like that's... Yeah. Um, that's a big feature I can see like, you know, cause then you can kind of create the flows for somewhat bespoke solutions where, you know, depending on what they've chosen or like what happens in previous steps, you, you change the, I guess the subsequent steps. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing is like, I, I hear this all the time, like, Oh, in my project management tool, I got this client. So I'm going to make a project, a client, but that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like a, a, cl- a client in process kit is called a client <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you create it and you can give a client custom attributes and you can yeah. have all these custom fields, but then associate that client with projects and, and, and then you can run things based on what the client has, you know? Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, I, I definitely have been meaning to check out process kit for a while. Not that we, we're not really doing agency work anymore. I just want to play with it. I like playing with stuff and <laughs> like as a productivity yeah. and automation guy, it has been on my radar for quite some time. And you know what? Like I'm all about simplicity and that's what you have. Like it looks like simple. Everything looks clean. The pricing's simple, like incredibly simple. It's just one, one flat one yeah. flat plan, which I love, um, you know, and, and I see like even the quote unquote simple project management systems, like there was one that I signed up for um, that I loved, but I see it just going south because uh, they're trying to cram so much stuff into it all the time. Yeah. And like, it's going to become a beast. And I, like, I'm, I give it a couple of years and I'm not going to want to use it anymore, maybe even less. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, it's so something that can do what I want it to do in a simple interface. You know, and this is why originally Monday.com were doing well. Like I remember using that years ago and being mm-hmm. when it was still to pulse. And it's like it's just a spreadsheet with colored cells. Oh, uh, this right. is weird. But people loved it because it was simple. Um, you know, it, it's different now. But you know, the same same thing. I'm looking at this going like that's what I want to want to use. So Yeah, and and it needs to be simple for your team. So if if you're mm. The, the whole point of building processes is to eventually grow and scale your business beyond just you and a, and a couple of uh, like a small shop. Right. Um, and you're, even if you map out all these complex processes and things, your team is not going to follow them if it's too overwhelming, mm. you know? And so the goal is to make it super simple for them. They, all they see is their next tasks, but your processes can have powerful automations built into it so that the software takes care of figuring out like, Oh, is this, does this client get, get that, get those tasks, then then show those. And should we calculate the dates that way? Okay. And then, you know, your designer, your writer, whoever it is, like all they need to do is see their tasks, check them off. Things happen automatically, you know, in the background. Love it. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think we've covered a lot here. So I, I want to start wrapping this up just so I think there's a lot to cut co- lot we've covered. One thing I do want to briefly touch on is that if anyone is interested in creating a productized service, obviously that is a very attractive uh, thing for a lot of agencies. I believe you have a community for people that do this, right? Yeah, it's a community and and a course that I've had out for several years and it's gone through a few different versions. Um, so so my site where I have a lot of free content is, is at productizeandscale.com and, uh, and and there's a link in there to to get to the productize course and community. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's been great. It's it's for people who are either starting up a brand new productize service, but there are quite a few people who have pretty well established services and, and businesses that, that have grown pretty big. And, okay. and, um, and so like the course covers some, some step-by-step strategies and processes to, to think about like forming a value proposition and pricing and building processes and building a team. Um, but I, I think the real value is in the community and, and getting and, and another thing that I do in there is I match people up into mastermind groups so that they can start to work oh, cool. together and, and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, I'll link that up in the show notes. If anyone's interested, that's at productizeandscale.com. Now, one last thing. I saw that you launched a free course, and I believe it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, aimed at agencies uh, with Process Kit. Yeah, so that that just came out last week, and yeah. it's over on the Process Kit site. Um, it's completely free. It's uh, it is currently twelve video lessons. It's called Process Automation for Service Companies, yep, and it's there it is. um, um it, it, it's aimed at at uh, giving you a little bit of a structure and strategy for how to start to organize your processes and think about them in think about automating them so that they can actually work like, like we've been yeah, talking about. You know? Absolutely awesome. And I'll be linking that up in the show notes. It's already queued up to go out in my socials. I did this yesterday um, and, and next week's newsletter because I saw that. I'm like, this is perfect. Um, cool. Yeah, can, totally free. No opt-in from what I can see, yeah? Nope, yeah, no yeah. opt-in. Um, I do show process kit quite a bit in the videos. Of course. But, uh, but it's, um, you know, I, I, I did want to make it so that you can get a lot of uh, a lot of value out of it, even if you don't end up using Process Kit long term. So yeah, absolutely. So that's at processkit.com slash process dash automation, or you can go to the process automation course in the footer. I will also link it up at agencyhighway.com slash one oh three. I'm actually looking at this right now and um, inspecting the background of your image, uh, like the video. Sorry, because I'm like I've been in this space like for a while now, where I'm like trying to work out what I want to put behind me in my videos and like buying new equipment to you know try and get there it all <laughs> sorted i've got like i've never bought a lens that cost more than most of my bloody cameras that i've ever had before so yeah. you know, this giant lens on the front and <laughs> yeah i mean i i got like a, a good camera and lighting over there and, and yeah. like i'm 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 learning too with the uh with like the video production stuff but uh, yeah it's, it's been fun it's fun yeah and like i'm just buying new stuff to put behind me like new shelves and like hat- then everything behind you's got to be in like laid out really nicely all the time so it doesn't right. look crap on videos <laughs> the stuff behind the camera of course is a mess oh yeah like and and <laughs> under and to the sides where the angle doesn't catch it <laughs> yeah I was, you know, looking at wide angle versus normal lenses. I was like, do I want wide angle? It means I have to clean up more of the room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, mate, this has been great. I am so glad we've been able to run through like all these different businesses you've had. I, I think you've basically taken the path 
that a lot of agencies kind of dream of or think about doing, you know, going from a bespoke agency to products to, you know, a SaaS. Like that's, that's a really cool journey that you've been on. Yeah, it's been fun. I think, you know, one you're, we're always learning mm-hmm. everything that you're, that we're doing. Um, you're just trying to optimize the next thing or, or improve the thing and maybe remove ourselves from the day to day or, or, or grow it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, at a certain rate. And so it's, it's always fun. And I love, I love podcasting. I love, you know, talking about this stuff and, and meeting more folks like us. So awesome. Cool. Uh, thanks, Brian. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If you guys have enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to this and leave a review or share it with someone you think will get something out of it. Uh, again, all the notes and links we've discussed will be available at agencyhighway.com slash one zero three. I will see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.